everybody. Welcome to episode 29 of the Pick Bike Podcast, Free Ride or Die. Who remembers Free Ride? What's hey, that? Brian. I don't know. Brian, when was the last time you did a wheelie drop? Speaking mm. of Free Ride. And was it off a loading dock? No, it was off two picnic tables. Just put together. Not one. Not so one. You had I didn't a more run up. Yeah, I wasn't good enough to Chicken. just do it in the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't that would you. have to be like 2008. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. We've also got Casimir here. Kaz, you probably did a wheelie drop on your last ride. Not my last ride, but it's been a while since I did a proper like slow speed, like dead stop to like pedal kick off a thing. So I can't really like remember committed. a lot of that. Yeah, like a yeah. real wheelie drop. But. Where you're just like fingers crossed thinking about those hub pulls in your chain. Yeah, you're just like, like oh go. God, please. <laughs> Keep the front wheel up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what, what gear am I in? Yeah, yeah. not the right one. Yeah. No. Well, I was saying that for next the next tuck to flat next year, when we the next field test, we've got Toyota's given us some trucks to use for a while. And definitely we should do the sponsor's dream of pedal wheelie out of out of the back of the truck for the huck to flat test. Yeah, there's no way I am doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going to do it anyways. The hug to face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've also got James here. He's going to read the news. But first, James, when was the last time you did a wheelie drop? And was it off a loading dock? Yeah, I think I'm too young for wheelie drops. Never. James is never like, even tried. a wheelie drop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an essential skill, James. Okay, read really? the news. I think uh, you well, got the news, to read first, Levy. Oh, yeah, sorry. We've got something for you, Levy. <laughs> what? Oh, shit. We've got my... Your ad, read. Read. yeah you said pinkers a few too many times the last time you're on i like so how now. you guys didn't put the ad read in the on our podcast outline that we all kind of follow through the episode so i have no idea what it is yeah, yeah well now it's in there now like if so you refresh you can see your ad read i gotta refresh where's the refresh button i don't know something it should be in there though <laughs> this is way too much well, we'll just get started. We'll see how it goes, see how it flows. Where is this from? I mean, it, <laughs> Keep reading. You know, just read reading. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm supposed to read this serious, too. Yep. Like you mean it. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> A normal 29er can only dream of the sort of bite the three-inch-wide tire supply. This puts the onus on handling skill and commitment rather than traction when you're on the six fatty. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> and while the traction is well beyond what a regular rim and tire combo can offer, there isn't that hefty, burdensome character of a real fat bike, with the six fatty offering a much more normal trail experience than what most plus bike virgins would probably expect. I will just say, whoever wrote this, they can write very well. <laughs> I spent a lot of time huffing the 29.75 pounds specialized up old logging roads, often with riding buddies on lighter weight bikes with less clown-like tires. Well, that's, a, that's a low blow. But I had no trouble keeping up. More importantly, I didn't feel like I was working any harder than usual. Do you guys want me to keep going or can I just... Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. You're doing great. Fast hygiene corners... <laughs> Fast hygiene corners on such terrain are where having read some other writers' thoughts on 27.5 plus bikes, I expected this six fatties tires to fold over and send me into a vicious high side that would leave me searching for my shoes and wondering what day it was. Uh, I don't think that happened. That never happened. I was right. <laughs> but things can feel a touch vague if you're running 14 PSI and slamming it to berms like you have nothing to lose. 
Do the same thing with your current bike with underinflated tires and you see what happens though. But with tires just two PSI higher, I felt like I could get away with everything from cashing checks that my skills can't cover to not paying my taxes for a decade. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) such is the amount of forgiveness it's built into the bike. I wish I hadn't written that. (laughs) (laughs) If you think that plus bikes and especially the six fatty are going to ride awkwardly, you're wrong. The Specialized feels very much like a normal 29er on the trail, with the exception being that it allows the average rider to go faster on most downhills and clean, tricky climbs more easily. There we go. Um, nice one. Yeah. <laughs> How does that well-written do? piece, whoever did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's amazing. <laughs> An ode to the fat bike, circa uh, 2016. <laughs> I still stand by a lot of that. I don't like that vague feeling. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, anyways, so James can read the news now, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, first up, we have um, a battle of European bike nerds, um, a bit like Batman versus Superman, but instead of capes and masks, we get shiny bike parts and incredibly tight denim shorts. Um, that's Cornelius Capfinger uh, of Intend fame. Uh, He challenged a notorious weight weenie danger home to build the ultimate downhill bike. And um, we let the pink bike mob loose to decide the winner. Um, Cornelius went for a pivot Phoenix in a coronavirus gray and red color scheme. Um, Some cool engineering stuff in there, such as um, some prototype uh, brake rotors he'd machined himself and a crank that allowed him to change gears without pedaling. Um, Danger home went for his usual strategy, which is a super lightweight approach. That includes an almost entirely raw bike uh, and custom suspension with carbon fiber air caps and adjusters. Um, guys, what did you think? What stood out to you on those bikes? I love crazy people. Yeah, they're really interesting. And <laughs> <laughs> Cornelius, we've mentioned his name a bunch before just because he has the best name in the bike industry. But I really like the uh, the fact that you can shift without pedaling on that bike. I don't know what, how I think about or what I think about the chain always moving, but uh Seems pretty cool. It'd be fun to try. Just see what that feels like. I love that he just was like, I'm going to try this and do this. And then he just has, he has like both the skills and the ability to make so much of a bike. Yeah. I, I, he kind of lost me on the, on the mismatching crank arms though. Oh yeah. For color scheme. I mean, it's hard to beat, um, danger homes. I mean, not all black, raw, super light thing. I'd like to ride both bikes. They they Mm -hmm. both seem fun. I think. For me, I would pick Danger Holmes, but with massive respect for what Cornelius did on his. Danger Holm, for sure. That thing, that thing is beautiful. Yeah. It just looks gorgeous. Yeah, I think I voted Cornelius, but it, it was pretty tight. And actually, it was pretty tight in the audience as well. Um, uh, they went for Danger Home, but it was like 48, 52%. Um, which if you're British and anything like me, probably numbers you don't want to remember too fondly. Um we're sticking in Europe for um, the next story um, and is Pole this time. Um, so the CEO of Pole, Laurie Hulkinen, has resigned and Leo Kokinen, who um, founded the brand, has been reinstated as an sort of owner-manager role. Um, Laurie apparently oversaw the decision to move to CNC Frames uh, and the new factory that went along with that, um, but he's now stepped aside. Um, Pole say they're now looking to improve customer service, um, including around failing stamina frames. Um, the stamina was one of our favorite bikes from the field test it was in, but we do have to say we we're one of those failures and hopefully Pole can now get, you know, 
keep those those bikes um, as performing as well as they can with the the customer trust that goes along with it. I actually think that our bike wasn't one of the failures that are happening now. The photos I've seen of the current failures are in different spots and in different ways that I've seen. I I, I do take them at their word that they sent us accidentally sent us that a prototype back end. Yeah, but I mean, either way, they're having some issues. I think yeah, some growing oh, pains sure. in there. They're, I mean, their construction method seems promising, but then probably pretty tricky to pull off. Um, Are they sticking with that CNC thing now that yeah. the guy's leaving? It seems so, yeah. yeah. I hope I, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I know they're having some issues, but I mean, lots of bikes break. Not that they, sh- not that, that gives an excuse to these. I think they're seeing too many, like a higher percentage or whatever. But um, it'd be cool if they sorted it out because, man, it makes for a really, really neat bike. I think also a lot of the frustration that's happening on the consumer side isn't even just with braking because, like you said, lots of companies have bikes that break or even that break at a higher percentage than than is acceptable. But it's they're they're such a small company still, and they've scaled so fast to to produce these bikes. They don't necessarily have the customer service to deal with it to get back to people to communicate and to have you know I don't it takes like maturity as a company to be like okay we need this is how many bikes we're producing. We need to produce X amount for warranty claims. Cause we know that every product has a certain number of warranty claims mm-hmm. and just building like that is going to be a challenge. Yeah. And even keeping up with demand too. I know there are people that ordered them, put down their deposit mm-hmm. and then it just took forever. They want to cancel the deposit, but then they don't get all the money back because of the exchange rate. So lots of stuff going on there. So we'll see how they, if they can turn it around and sort it out. Hopefully they can do that. Yeah. Here's to hoping. Um, next up, we have Oland. Um, they've released a single can version of their TTX Airshock. Um, the double can design remains, uh, but that's now being called TTX 2 Air. Um, so Oland says the main difference between the two shocks is the kind of bike you'd fit it to. So the new single can shock is for bikes with a linear shock curve um, that you need a progressive spring for. Um, Whereas the double can shock is more suited to bikes that already have progressive linkage ratios and offers great options to kind of tweak and tune that curve. Casimir, do you like Olin's air suspension? Uh, some of it. I haven't tried to think it's the last a, bike was on. It has a different Definitely, feel, doesn't it? Yeah, like in, in the past, it's kind of had a almost over damped or just more damped yeah. than you would expect. Uh, almost to the point where it feels like friction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's almost, I, that could be to do with that double... I actually don't know why it does that. It's, it's kind of consistent with some of their shocks, like just the way that their damping feels. And some it feels great on some bikes. So it I does, do have one yeah. of these. Yeah, I've got one of the new um, single can air versions coming to try it out. So we'll see how it goes. Dan was Dan was a pretty big fan of uh, Dan Roberts was a pretty big fan of the of the Olin suspension, right? Mm-hmm. This latest yeah. generation. Yeah. yeah, I think he had the coil. I'm not sure mm-hmm. when the last time we tried the air. So we'll get this one in and see how it goes. But I, you know, they do. I do like how stuff. they feel on the trail. I'm a fan of that, like kind of thick. Mm-hmm heavy damped feeling yeah yeah you had one on the uno right yeah 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 that worked real well on the uno yeah cool we'll end the news with um what's kind of dominated i think pink bike for the past week and that's the loser double header world cup unfortunately this is the end of the race season but um at least we ended it in style and the new track i thought was really great um i think the double header format should come back as soon as possible um, apparently both Loser and Maribor lost money putting on the events um, as they couldn't have spectators and they had to put in other sort of COVID safe measures um, so I think we owe the organisers there like a huge debt of thanks for keeping the show running um, there were wins for Bruni, Minar, Miriam Nicole, 
Marine Cabrew. Um, the overall titles went to Matt Walker and Marine Cabrew. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. What were your highlights from the weekend? Yeah, that's a lot of good racing. Like Kate Edwards, he's my highlight. Doing his no-handers, and then he had this whip off that like jump before the finish line where he almost didn't bring it back around, and then he did, barely, barely. It's almost like he should do free riding instead. Um, I know. I think he's a free racer, maybe. He's following in Faircloth's footsteps. <laughs> and then I also liked seeing Minar win, doing, doing it for the old guys, and then Bruni's win was pretty special, too. Like just, I, I was worried that the second race, because it had rain, and that young kid, Jamie Edmondson, is that right, Edmondson? Yeah, uh, Jamie yeah. Edmondson. Um, yeah, so because he was in the in first place, like he had a great run, but I thought it would be one of those ones where the person that wins maybe didn't quite deserve it because of track conditions. But then when those last few guys went down and started knocking down that time, it was cool to watch. So, Casimir, I actually missed that race, but I heard you guys mention earlier before we started recording, Bruni had some sort of lockout thing on his bike. What's going on there? Yeah, so there's a flat section basically before the like the last small section of the trail where everyone's just full on sprinting pretty flat alongside a road. And so Bruni actually took his hand off in both races, took his hand off, grabs the top of his, uh, top of his fork and pushes something, which I think in an interview and James might know a little bit more, but it sounds like he's firming up the compression there just to in give him fork. more support in his fork. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a remote. Right. He also has another button on his, on his handlebar, but his bike has a lot of French technology going on there. It had, is that, Anything to do with that carbon cover that was over that, the middle section of his bike there? Do you know? I think we assume. So, like, we've still not seen definitely what's under there, but it's definitely linked to that handlebar switch. So, yeah. There's I hope something it's literally going. nothing. I hope it's just all mind games <laughs> with the competitors. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you would take your hand off for mind games. That seems risky. <laughs> I was surprised he did it, but, you know, it worked. Like, it could just be mental. Like, in your brain, you might pedal harder because you think it's firmer and locked out but would, it also gave him the win. Was there a split for that section? Like, could we look at numbers and tell? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, he's was, a monster. He was fastest yeah. in the first race through there and second fastest in the second race through that split. So yeah, whatever it was, worked. Yeah, he's also really strong. So it's one of those things that's tricky to say, but, you know, I think in your brain, if you need, if that helps, then. I think he just heard something about Levy saying lockouts aren't aren't the right thing. And he was just like, they're you know not. What? <laughs> you know, Maybe maybe this lockout technology can be proven on the World Cup. Maybe Levy will finally listen. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I heard yeah. that. What the hell are we doing? There's lockouts <laughs> on downhill bikes, people. I know. It's fucking crazy. Well, yeah. what's crazy is that they didn't wire it up so that he could just push a button on his bars. Yeah. You'd think if it was that important of a thing to him and a strategy that it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Whatever it is. Did he, did you see him t- hit the button at the start of the section and hit the button at the end he of the section? does not turn it off. So that's yet. my no. question. Yeah. Because it's a finish, like it's basically like a side of the road sprint and then you just have two big jumps to finish that you could definitely hit with your fork pretty firm and then mm-hmm. you're across the finish line. Do you think, are they, I mean, I'm not a World Cup downhiller, so what do I know? But I wouldn't want to go flying into some fucking massive jump with my fork locked out. Would you? I mean, it might have a blow off or just be firm, but not like fully locked out. You know, it is it you is a massive jump, and I did wonder how it would be different. Just the different feel in an inconsistent bike from yeah. top to bottom is weird. Did it? Next question. I, I, it's almost like I should have watched the race. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> would it? It's not some sort of like it wouldn't be some sort of whole shot thing where like. The, the fork is lower in its travel or anything like that. It sounds like a suspension firming up device. Yeah, I think from what yeah. I could see, it would just be to firm it up. But Yeah, okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. We're trying to chase down some more information, so we'll see. We'll hopefully yeah. answer your questions, Levy, eventually. 
Bruni, call into the show. Yeah. One triple eight pink bike. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, shit. You were, close. you were close. I saw it in your, in your eyes. <laughs> I think my my highlight, as as much as you're right, it is it was nice to see those times come down at the end. Um, I was very stoked. We've been helping out a little bit with um, or um, Catherine's been helping out that Jamie Edmondson kid um who's so fast and i was very stoked to see him get on the podium yeah yeah his time not to take away from him, he did put down a super good round yeah, but yeah. it just the rain happened a little bit yeah and it is you do want to see the top guys compete on a on a levelish playing field and nice to see exciting racing the last person down the hill going green red green red green is like the coolest thing yeah that was great so more double headers next year is my takeaway. Let's do yeah, that. Hopefully, a lot any more. racing. <laughs> yeah, I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, but why not? Like, why not get more bang for your buck if you've put in to do a race? The infrastructure's there. Everything's there. If we, even if we're we're gonna get a, a truncated season next year or whatever, it's just harder to put on shows or races. Let's get some more double headers. Yeah, makes sense. And maybe, you know, you could even add one rest day or practice day mm-hmm. in there. So have mm-hmm. a race on Thursday and then just split it up a little longer. But yep. yeah, they're already driving these giant trucks around all the infrastructure. Just yeah, do two races. It'd be cool. Yeah. So thanks, UCI. Thanks, Red Bull. Thanks, everybody who made the things, all the organizers. Man, I miss racing already. <laughs> I know. What about Mr. Gwyn? Where was Gwyn in all this? He was close to the pointy end. He... The podium fifth or sixth on day one on the first one uh fourth, I don't know day one fourth fourth on the friday um not so good on the sunday i think like don't even think he made the top 40 i want to say um yeah he seems to have had a good season in the dry this year and a pretty naff one in the wet um which when you're racing in practically winter and not in europe it's yeah. we have seen him <laughs> do quite well in wet conditions in the past to be fair I mean, that was many, many years ago now, but yeah. I just always read into all the things and then say them with confidence. <laughs> yeah, but Monson, you know, like, in a, who knows, maybe he's good at like certain kinds of mud. <laughs> maybe the deep mud isn't his thing. Mount St. Anne was like actively raining and sometimes it's grippier and yeah, who knows. Or he just also got, I think, some of the worst of the conditions this time around. Like I think yeah, he yeah, got, he was right in the middle of the worst bit. And that dirt there in Portugal was like super slimy and those like flattish, corners of the roots probably hard to stay up okay we got some reader questions now and the first one was underneath reed boggs's utah vid um and it's from woody 25 he says amazingly definitely a must watch but he follows that up with i see this as a buy yeti article uh but pb are you still in charge of what gets prefixed as a must watch sorry i wouldn't want a future where we get must watch tour of stan's sealant bottling plant I mean, that doesn't sound boring. I think we have to give a premature, uh, uh, an early comment gold to Stans for their reply. I got to find it, though. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, yeah, we're definitely still in charge of putting must-watch on front of, in front of a video. We've, we have had people and companies and things submit articles in the past that say must-watch, and then we watch it, and we're like, definitely not a must-watch. We're not going to just put Many. up something that, yeah, like your little shredded around your you know tiny track might be cool, but must watch we try to hold it for you know special videos so kaz tell me what we need to see for a must watch it has to stand out among all the other thousands and thousands of videos that come out every year so that's kind of hard to do but you know reed boggs he's definitely 
going huge, basically putting down a rampage run in the desert and, you know, excellent filming. Seminox stuff usually is almost a guaranteed must watch because it's something you don't normally see. It just has to be better than most of the content you've seen recently. Yeah, it's got to be something that you as like a serious mountain bike fan would send to your other friends who are serious mountain bike fans and be like, holy shit, look at this. So, so it's, James, it's like something that has like a cultural impact on the on the sport. I would, so James, as a content manager, you're one of the guys on the front lines who's deciding a lot of times what a must watch is. James is definitely on the front, the front lines. lines. Yeah. <laughs> in the bicycle what? mines. <laughs> I couldn't hear what anybody said. It Wading through the trenches of um, goggle putting on shots and pushing yeah. up the trail shots and making breakfast yeah. shots. And yeah. Uh, for me, like, I generally think, like, if I want to watch it more than once, like, that's generally a must watch for me. Like, I find with, like, videos like that read one, like, you, you, for me, it was like the bar spin section and, like, the suite bar and stuff. And then. I think we were talking about it with Seminot last week. Like you want to go back and like dissect what happens and you need like more than one watch to take it all in generally. And then as Kaz said, it's just got to have like a bit of a wow about it. You know, it's got to like, yeah. Right. So James, you've seen all the must watches. Yeah. Over the past year, is there a must watch that is muster watches than most of the other must watches? Um, last week, what's the mustest? We talked yeah, about Seminot a lot. I don't know if that's like recency bias, but like that Seminot one is still kind of stuck with me. And then the Tom Van Steenbergen one um, was just bonkers. Like the risk and the size he went on some of that stuff was insane. So if, probably between those two for like a video of the year at the moment. Yeah, we do this video of the year thing that comes out later. You might remember it, Mike. Lee. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I know, right? So we'll we'll. We'll get back to that one. Um, okay, I, I just want to say, I just want to say my must-watch, Brian, before we move on, and it's that Remy Metallier video. Oh, God, oh, that's yeah. a good one. That is yeah. the single most impressive thing I've seen in the last bunch of years. Ridiculous, cool. dude. Are you just trying to get out of the meeting where we have this conversation about must-watches? Yeah, you guys are. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, going back to the stands, stands replied to that bottling bottling plant thing with like our bottling plant is incredibly exciting you have to sign waivers just to watch it (laughs) (laughs) we'll try to share some ultra slow-mo video next time we detonate detonate some of the stuff at way over max inflation can neither can confirm or deny other applications not bad i like it it's pretty good yeah that's sort of like the the wendy's twitter account yeah it's so Mm -hmm. good so good why aren't more companies like this sass Come on, yeah. companies. Clever. Scott, no? Scott did that really good one where they gave away a gambler from a pink bike comment. And I'm like, it's got to applaud that. That's amazing. It was so good. Yeah. 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 Guerrilla marketing. Clever. Yeah. Well, yeah, we put in a rule afterwards that nobody's allowed to do to run like campaigns in the, in the comments because oh, it's sure. just everybody would jump on it. But we also had to allow this one because it's so good. The, yeah. the Scott one is like, hey, fair enough. You guys weren't trying to be like underhanded about it it was just hilarious so good on you but going forward we have seen companies try and try and be sneaky about stuff in the comments so it's annoying they got the minions they have their ambassadors in there i was like their tires what (laughs) 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 yeah can i have some (laughs) all right let's get on to today's discussion guys and it is all about free riding what the heck are free riders doing right now and is free ride even still a thing 
I, I think I just made a lot of free riders mad by even saying that. Someone's they don't listen, getting ready. They don't listen to their... podcasts. They don't listen to podcasts. They're too core to listen to podcasts, especially about free ride. First, first rule of free ride. Don't talk about free ride. Don't blow the spot up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you free ride? I actually know you did. I'm just yeah. going to cut you off because I saw you in drop in episode something with your Oakley glasses doing tricks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Back in 1991. Guilty. Guilty. Kaz is the current free ride champ here, though. How did I win? You can still do it. You do it today. Oh, yeah. You ride free today. It's true. I'm still free riding to this day. Yeah. No chamois. Lots of skinny. Like skinnies. How do you not wear a chamois? Can we just pause for a second? Yeah. It's really easy. You should try it. You just get good underwear. Like underwear that holds your stuff in the right place. And then you wear that and you have a seat that's comfortable, not the Tioga seat that you use that'll just tear you up if you don't have a chamois. And then uh, then you're set. Yeah, like that Saks underwear or stuff like that. Oh, I thought you weren't wearing any underwear and just letting everything. <laughs> and <laughs> no, then I was like, how are you not sitting on sometimes? No. And okay, yeah, no, it makes yeah, more sense or, now. Yeah, just like good boxer briefs. Do you yeah. think that the free riders, do you think like Graham Agassiz, do you think he wears bib shorts? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but it'd be great if one of them does. <laughs> I mean, it might not. It's so practical. Not, yeah. There is an unnamed free rider that I know that had a, that put in a lot of work to start a company of essentially like padded underwear, like padded sacks for free riding so that nobody could see that you were lame and wearing a chamois. Oh God. Yeah. Like and then under it didn't, your didn't skin tight anywhere. jeans, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Does your jeans are lycra. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who this was now. <laughs> I'll tell you after. Yeah. Does his name have two... The same letter starts his first name and last name? No. Moving on. <laughs> away from my underwear to, <laughs> to free riding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I still like free riding. And it's uh, and I've done I've been through all the phases of it, obviously, like with the heavy bike. And the I had the knock scope or post. I think we've talked about that before because dropper post didn't exist. Mm-hmm. On your art. Is that the double post? Like the post with the Yeah, that was the double post. Yeah. I put a bigger cassette and a specialized demo and a dropper post on a demo back in the day because I could pedal that. So... If we go back, back to the day, I mean, Kaz, when we were doing the thing, getting started in the sport, it was simpler than in that there was sort of racing of some sort, or there was, you're just kind of messing around in the bush, it seemed like, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Figure out more like you go riding. explore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you didn't need to chairlift. You kind of puddled or pushed to the top of the hill. Built sketchy stuff, rode down sketchy stuff. I thought free riding was like Dio's playing and you get out of a helicopter. That's when you get to the top level. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the goal is to. That's the final boss in free riding. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I want Megadeth playing all the time and I just go like skid down some sandy chutes and cam loops, but you got to, you know, that's the upper, upper level. Me me falling off of skinnies that are three feet in the air and like breaking an ankle is not going to get me that helicopter ride to the top of the mountain. Uh, I don't know. There was a time where it probably would. <laughs> like, if, if you look at some of the early free ride videos, you're like, oh, I could probably do some of that. And I, think I that remember actually... a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kaz, yeah. you were probably going to say exactly what I was going to say. I remember a time in the early 2000s where my buddy Wayne and I, we were doing things that we would watch a North Shore extreme video or a cranked video or something. And then we would build something around similar size, you know, like that wasn't far off of that. Obviously, things have changed. <laughs> I yeah, remember exactly. road road tripping to Vancouver to go hit the stair gap at the Chan Center that Wade hit in maybe Ride to the Hills? I think Ride to the Hills. Yeah. 
Did you hit it? I did. I did. And we one upped it because we put a, we put plywood up the other side. So you, it was a step down and then you could step up the other side. Mm, fancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing. If you could hit like one. Wait, of the I'm moves coming from, for your job, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> if you could hit one of the moves or like be in the same area where some of those movie parts were filmed, then you're like, oh, wow. And then you could look at their, you know, stuff was still crazy back then. But now it's, it's a whole nother level of what people are, are doing at least comparably. Let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it on the back then though. Brian, you got some notes here about coming from skiing and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think there. it's worth, you know, for the people like James who are like, yeah. uh, what is free? James, are you 13? <laughs> what is free ride? What does it mean, guys? I mean, I know. What, I don't get it. No, guys. So, I mean, but it's worth remembering where, where this all came from. And back in the day, there was, it was not a thing. The only way as a professional mountain biker, you could provide value to a sponsor was by getting on a podium. That was it. And it was generally XC races or if the downhill, the downhill races were fire roads and or largely fire roads. So the, when free rides started becoming a thing and everybody will say that they were free riding in 94 or 96 or whatever, but it really, you know, I think the bike mag article blew the lid a little bit in 98. And I think that was one of the first bike mag articles I wrote. Or sorry, I wrote it. I wrote it. No one's ever heard of revisionist history. We've got Brian Park here too. <laughs> yeah, good I old think most of us remember old, that issue. Thirteen-year-old yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it was. I don't think it's possible to overstate how important uh, it was for mountain biking for the shift to happen between I can rather than the only way for me to sell bikes is to win to if people watch me do cool shit and want to be me or be like me, that also sells bike. Like that was a seriously major shift in the thinking within mountain biking. And it, it came from free skiing. It came from guys like Richie Schley who were doing the skiing stuff, you know, bring it over. I wrote down, blame Richie Schley for MTB influencers. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> yeah, we blame him for something. <laughs> that article, hi, hi, Richie. <laughs> that article, when that, issue of bike may came out i remember shortly after going from riding an aluminum giant hardtail at cross country races to riding a norco vps with a z1 on the front with the shortest most upright stem i could get at the time and a riser bar it was just like a it's like oh i don't have to do this anymore i could just do that i could just yeah. have fun I went from I went from a, a giant XCX one like three inch travel front and rear thing with a SID on it to article and NSX two. I watched NSX two and then I went out and I bought a Brody eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, I got one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mine was a little late. Mine was like in two thousand, so I moved from Connecticut to Colorado. Had my cross country Kona explosive. I had my fingerless gloves and my spandex, and then. I started watching all those videos and hanging out with people that are riding steep rock moves and stuff. I was like, oh, I need to do this. So I got a Rocky Mountain Edge. That's my first full suspension bike. And then I was into it with a Z1, like a free ride. And that started it. And James is like, yeah. I was uh, yeah. I was riding my stabilizers around then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, well, I don't know what that is. Is that like? That's those are like training, training wheels, wheels, but in Europe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think... So that this podcast has some uh, more than us just being the being washed up free riders. <laughs> yeah, we do need to talk. Like the numbers don't lie, um, and 
less people are interested in free ride stuff in 2020 than they were in the past. Um, you know, hat tip to Mitchell Scott, who wrote an article about it back in 2011 and got a lot of shit for it. Um, but yeah, the, the reality is, is people and, and slope style in general as a subset of free ride, but people do not care, engage with those stories as much. Yeah. Less, I think, yeah, less. Yeah. It depends. It depends what the, how it's framed. I think I, I agree. Like slope style is basically a, a, well, it's like a dead venue of the sport. You know, it's kind of reached where it's at and it'll go and it's going to have fans. But like, there's not too many people that want to be professional slope stylers, I would say, compared to the number of people that are into racing these days. I hear click clacking away in the distance. There's people I, click clacking. Yeah, I appreciate no, like, love slope style, everybody. And I can't wait for the next slope edit where they do the all those things in the yeah. air. No, like, I mean, that stuff's super impressive. Like, yeah, not to take away from anything. Like, it's just for a lot of people, most... Like ninety nine point nine percent of riders are never going to be able to do a seven twenty. It's harder to relate to. I, yeah. I remember years ago I wrote an op ed and I I basically said that way, but unfortunately I didn't use enough tact, and I said it's Weird. just hey, yeah, I know strange, that's not, right? It's not in character. I know, right? I said I couldn't. It's just hard to relate to like a seven twenty tail whip double flip thing. I have just better time. Yeah, I have a I have an easier time relating to a downhiller. A World Cup downhill or like smashing a corner. And I think that still holds true. I'll stand by that. Um, but I think that it's a Duro bikes and more capable bikes in general. People don't need one of those like massive free ride bikes to do the things anymore. They can get a, an Enduro bike or an all mountain bike. They can do all those crazy things. But at the same time, they can go ride it somewhere. You know, I think that's been a big change and, a, and a, one of the main reasons for free riding kind of not being as popular as it used to be. Yeah, you just don't even really hear the term as much anymore because you you probably still ride in the same trails. Like I know I am, but you just don't consider it. You just think it's it's just mountain biking now because we're able to do these things. Casual going falling fast, off going, all those going fast, skitties. Going fast got cool though, right? Yeah, like definitely. Yeah, I'd say average trail speed yeah. is quicker these days. Like the the days of like super slow speed weird turns and stuff are kind of have faded away. There's not as many weird trails like that, which I and still let's like. be honest. There are there are aspects of the like what we call traditional stereotypical free ride things that are just not good the the like pedal wheelie to flat like i'm sorry but no yeah you You know like there's a limited there's limited appeal (laughs) so what what's free ride today then how would you classify free ride today brian how would you describe it um i mean what is it what should it be what I mean, it's literally whatever you want. That's the cool thing about free ride. That's what no, my, yeah. <laughs> no. Free rides, it's a state of yeah. mind. No, no, no it, you're on the fence there. No, but I'm. It's anything. Okay, it's literally any high level riding that isn't on the clock. I would say free ride would be more. I don't know what free ride is. I mean, to me, I'd say free riding. If I was if I was watching a video and thought it was free riding, it's more of a focus on the hardest features possible. Like Remy Metallier probably doesn't consider himself a free rider, but all those crazy things he's doing, they fall into that genre for me. Yeah. You know, or like, he's a free racer for sure. Yeah, so that kind of stuff. Things are you're pushing your limits of as far as like the technical difficulty of the trail, the size of the the drop or jump or whatever. I think to me, that's that's free riding. Or you know, a lot of times these people are building their own trails, just making the hardest thing possible. Um, so I'd consider that free riding. 
Yeah. yeah, where the goal is to clean the move or clean the mm -hmm. section or clean the trail, not just yeah. go through it fast or this. Exactly. Or just get down in one piece is the overarching Sur goal. Survival. Like, yeah. yeah. It sounds like yeah. every every ride I do. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Levy, free rider. You get, you get paid to ride bikes, so technically you're a pro free rider. Yeah. It's yeah. true. <laughs> oh, no wonder it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe killed it. I, who's, I mean, today, who's your free riders? Who's out there doing free things? You've got every everybody from the Dylan Starks of the world to I I would put the fifty to one guys into into free ride, but then on the on a big stage you've got Fabio Whitmer. I'd put Danny McCaskill kind of into the free ride thing, only kind of. It kind of goes against my own in definition literally seconds ago, but yeah, free he's kind of, yeah he's he's it's him interpreting terrain, trying to do a hard thing and having his own approach. So yeah, sure. Dylan Sheffer, I know Scott Seco made a few videos with him over the years that kind of look like those classic New World Disorder segments almost, you know, big ladders and giant hip jumps and sketchy things. So people are still doing it. I I remember having a conversation with Derek Westerland from Freeride, and he had a good point about Freeride being one of mountain biking's only real opportunities to to reach mainstream people as a as a spectacle. And you, I think when we say, oh, freeride's dead, or when we're, it's the, no, slope style's dead. That competition side of things is generally dead. Um, and the spectacle is still there. We don't, you know, people share Fabio Whitmer videos like crazy, or, you know, Rampage videos still go viral and reaching, reaching the general public, like that good for the industry side of free riding is still there and it's there whether or not we're having free ride competitions i don't think competitions have really ever been like what pushed free riding you know a lot of it was that magazine coverage back in the day or the videos that started mm -hmm. coming out we all have had mm -hmm. vhs tapes of you know new world disorder the nsx series and all that stuff we're like oh i want to do that so what's your favorite one favorite video ever favorite free oh yeah, it's still favorite. ride of the hills yeah i think we talked about this before that yeah. one's just it's yeah. too good but I think yeah. in the, along the same lines too, while there's not people out there, well, there aren't people out there on KHS Dominatrix, you know, sessioning skinnies is off as much anymore. There's still a ton of people out there on their six inch travel, whatever, sessioning, you know, the cool rock rolls and just different sort of stuff. Like it's, it just looks different now, but it's still there. People doing the same shit, you know, yeah. but the moves are different and I miss some of those moves, sort of, you know? I miss spending all day at the same thing and, and just getting better at it or, or getting hurt at it, maybe. Kaz, <laughs> yeah. yeah. what free ride move do you miss the most that we don't see anymore? Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean... I love. I, know. I know you love your skinnies, Kaz. Just I do like it. skinnies. Yeah, I'd say skinnies to to a certain extent. Like I don't need to be flying circus skinnies what anymore. What is like, there to like about skinnies? Because they're challenging. <laughs> they're challenging and hard. Like it just. I mean, I know they're silly. Obviously, so is riding a unicycle. Yeah, I can't do that yeah. though. I could ride skinnies, but not ride a unicycle. Yeah. But I haven't practiced enough on a unicycle. But either way, I think skinnies are pretty fun. Like even our little local trail here had a little tiny skinny that was like. It's like six or eight inches wide. It was only like two or three feet high, but it got torn Too down. High. And they, yeah, well, it got like a tree fell on it and they replaced it. But the one they replaced it with is like, like single track width and it's super boring. So it makes me a little bit sad. So I like skinnies just because they're challenging. Even if they're like a foot off the ground, it still, you know, keeps your balance going. I don't know. I like yeah, I, under, I understand the challenge, 
For me, they're, I mean, it's not ever what I wanted to do on a bike. I've never been good at them and they've been responsible for all the injuries, so many <laughs> injuries, you know, they don't make me feel like a hero on the bike and it's not something I've ever been able to get good at. Um, but it, they, a lot of times what I find is they completely change the character of a trail. You're coming flying down something or maybe it is a janky trail, but the skinny, it's just like, stop everybody, get your balance. And it's. I don't know, you know, especially when they don't go over was, anything, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's, yeah, it's fine when a skiddy is there for a good reason. It's like we had to get over the swamp or yeah. we had to whatever, and this was a challenging way to do that. That's cool. That's fine. But the the gratuitous Zenothshaws, <laughs> we put Zenothshaws in this trail. It's just like yeah. no. Yeah, why? I, I, I will say, I, yeah, I have, I have to clarify. I don't need woodwork everywhere, and I am glad that there isn't as much woodwork as there used to be because for a lot of times, there's just not, there's no need. Like, you can build your takeoff. It's been sitting now. Well, no, for like takeoff and landings and jumps and drops and stuff, if you can do it out of dirt, just do it out of dirt. It lasts way longer, and you don't have to worry about like stuff breaking because you know that's the thing with skinnies and stunts; they don't last. They need maintenance where dirt is a lot easier to maintain. So. You remember the good old days of driving to North Vancouver? You drive for two hours to fall off some skinnies for half a day that you drive uh, home. <laughs> yeah, I would still do it. Pink starfish. Like yes. that was the first trail I ever rode. We drove yes. all the way like twenty-four hours straight to get to North Van, just hopped on pink starfish. And we're like, yeah. Classic. I forgot about that trail. I know. I don't think. Yeah, we used to ride that one all the time. And we used to go up uh, to Circus and fall off those things. For, not the big yeah. things, but yeah. smaller things, of course. Jerry Rig with that skinny yep. that was like shaped like a rainbow. And then the wall ride that you just fall off because it was too vertical. And I would scrape my shoulder on it. So do you guys think, just so this doesn't, <laughs> isn't like an hour of you guys reminiscing? <laughs> Someone might like There's three people that are entertained right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> do, do you guys where do you guys feel companies should be should they be supporting more free riders should free riders be getting paid more uh should there like it seems like there's a pretty big gulf between the like most of the dylan stark 50 to 1 type folks and then fabio wimmer on the other who's probably making very good money i think it's really hard to sponsor a free rider if they're not delivering something like if you have an athlete and all they do every year is red bull rampage that's like a, it's a hard mm -hmm. call. Like I, you know, what they do in rampage is incredible and everyone loves watching it. But if all they deliver you each year is like some GoPro footage and one or two runs, like the value there is hard to pay someone a decent. And they're all crash or win. Yeah, too. it's tricky. But if you have somebody that's putting out really good videos and then people want to keep watching them, then yeah, I think there's room now, like with YouTube, if you're just putting out awesome videos, build your own trail and ride it, like you could make a career for yourself that way. But, um, you just have to be a little more creative. Fabio Whitmer be, better be getting a shit ton of money. He is risking his life on those stairs. Yeah, he's horrible. <laughs> <free grind>. Dude. <laughs> yeah, he's Fabio, be careful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see like with this whole, you know, this whole season's a write-off for a lot of athletes. Who comes up with something? Like without Rampage, you've got a whole handful of people that I can't say that I've even seen anything from at all this year. So are there going to be a bunch of amazing video parts or are they just... I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. How how come we're not seeing way more people do like Sam Pilgrim stuff where he's got like a YouTube channel and it appears to be doing quite well? I think it's harder than it looks. Yeah. I think like, it's, yeah. it's like, I don't know. He's kind of already got that pretty nailed, right? Like, do we need seven mm -hmm. Sam Pilgrims or is one Sam Pilgrim Definitely enough, not. you know? Like, One's good. Yeah. And so like, I think the YouTube avenue is definitely a way for people to do it, but like, you've got to find your own way of doing it. And 
I think everyone has the luxury of being able to do it the Fabio Widma way, where you can just do like like a banger edit every three months or so. Like, I think it's quite a lot of graft, like coming up with ideas and keeping it interesting and having things to say in front of the camera and like. And then rest well, yeah, the thing yeah, I was going to say is that it's with every kid, every kid on every other street corner having a, some fancy camera that could do make a nice video and people out there sending it. I don't think it's as easy as it was to stand out. Like the top dogs are doing crazy things, but like in every town now, there's there's some rider who is absolutely mind-blowing, it seems like, and, and coming up with some interesting edits. It's harder than ever to stand out, you know? What I hope is not happening is that the freeriders that we expect to be seeing something from but aren't i hope that it's not because there's no support for them to and their projects Mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of guys who i expected to see stuff from this year and hey maybe some of them are injured um maybe some of them were saving themselves for rampage but then it's not happening i don't know but it i hope it's not just brands being like yeah no we signed you why aren't you making your own shreddits rather than going, okay, we've signed you, but let's invest in these four video projects this year. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes both ways. I've heard rumor, or not even rumors, but stories of like where a brand will sign an athlete and they, yeah. you know, they say you're, you know, we expect you to give, give us four videos each year. And then at the end of the year, the guy just sends them four GoPros and he's like, here's all my footage. I know. And like, well, oh, that's cool. But where's the video? Like, you, no one's going to watch your helmet cam. Like, so yeah, there is a, there has to be some initiative. Hopefully they're getting supported, but then you also have to kind of come up with clever ways to film things, do something different. And the, so, I mean, I think it shows that the ones that really kind of put the work in are starting to come up on the top, you know? Mm-hmm. So before we move on, Brian, what would you like to see from Freeride in the next couple of years? How would you like to see it change? Is it video edits? Is it more sponsors? Is it more competition? More competition as in like classic Freeride stuff, less slope? Nah, nah. I mean, Freeride for me is the shift from racing getting you, uh, racing for marketing to achievement survival, I guess, for marketing. Cool thing for marketing. And that's here to stay. So in that way, Freeride will never die. Um, there'll probably be, there'll probably be a lot of different ways to, to get there. I don't, I struggle to see the future of slope style competition. I, I really, yeah, I struggle to see it, which is a shame because man, they're so good right now. The riders are so incredible. Are numbers right down on that sort of stuff? Less people are watching yes, crankworksy type things. Less, well, not crankworks in general, but on the slope, like a slope content, uh, or, you know, a, a slope highlight video, unless it's, unless it's crankworks whistler. It used to be that all of the, all of the other competitions had numbers and that's really faded off. It's, it's really consolidated into a few big ones throughout the year where people will pay attention, but, and, and partly that's, it's their own, the sport's own fault, kind of uh, homogenizing everything into these glorified parking lot, dirt jump comp- contests have, have heard it. Um, but also just, it is, it is spectacle and we, tried to make it sport. I think we just need to bring the ultimate free ride challenge back again. Yeah. yeah. The video yeah. contest, everybody submits. That's like, there should be some kind of like Corona challenge where like all these people. Oh, I think there's time. a lot of Corona challenges, Casimir. Well, yeah, but this one's special. <laughs> <laughs> Send in your videos and. Uh, well, yeah. Now that I can say that it's not happening, 
I can say that I, I tried. We tried to make a video contest happen this fall for that thing, and it, it unfortunately didn't couldn't make it happen. Uh, I've heard that there's another there's a, a somebody else working on a big contest for a video contest for next spring. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to give it another shot. Um, if they don't do it, we I think we'll we'll give it another shot. Yeah. Try and do it for cool. next year. What about you, James? Um, uh, just more stair hooks. I'll do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you missed them all in the in the <laughs> yeah, early two thousands, right? So you need to catch up. <laughs> I think for me, I would like to see Rampage become more special by being maybe every other year or even every third year, mm-hmm. and then maybe we mm-hmm. have. Maybe there's a series that uses different kind of venues, different kind of terrain where it's not trick orientated and there's, you know, two or three events a year. But then again, I don't know, maybe we should just leave Rampage every other year and and make it real special. If we, yeah, if we left Rampage as every other year and it getting in was video based, a little more video based, it is right now already fairly video based, but... That'd be cool. I don't know. What did you guys... Like, I really enjoyed the the Proving Grounds concept last year. Mm-hmm. I think you could have, like, a bit of a feeder series. Could be good. That would be good. Yeah. It's just hard for it's people tricky. to And just contests are hard. Like, yeah. free ride contests are sketchy. It's kind of like... I mean, it's like skiing has, like, the uh, free skiing world championships. And they're so scary to watch. I love watching them. But it's, like, it's hard to... Yeah. I don't know, competition and that type of stuff, you know, that's like, it's today, it's windy, it's whatever the conditions are off, but then you still go for it. It's, it's tricky, but yeah, I mean, more power to everyone that can do it. I, you know, there was a time, there was a time when I thought the Fest series was gonna, was going to make bigger waves than it has. It's so cool to see, but I thought that it was going to become a little more organized and a little more um, challenge as a feeder series. And I mean, in some ways it's really great that it hasn't cause it's kind of just done its mm-hmm. own thing and people don't stress about it. And it's just, it is what it is. And, and it hasn't been taken over by like corporate interests, but on the flip side, I don't know. There's only so many times I can watch people go off of motorcycle jumps on a bicycle. Yeah. It's tricky. It starts looking similar, but yeah, I would love to see, a series i know this can't happen but like we're something where it takes like a, a fest stop that takes rampage and that takes a whistler crankworks type venue three of those things and puts them together and then crown somebody from those three very different sort of sort of competitions yeah like the big mountain aspect versus like the mega mega sized dirt jump aspect and then yeah um, yeah and then a skinny contest to top it oh, off. Oh, God. You and your skinnies, Casper. It's, it's our long hey. weekend, the three-day series. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask one last question before we close up our free rider discussion. You've been riding that Norco Shore. We're going to see a review of it real soon. Is it good on the skinnies? Uh, <laughs> not really. Like, I don't think that would be my skinny bike of choice. What would it's, be your skinny all, bike of choice? What would it be like? Know. Probably, probably a stump jumper six fatty from yeah. 2016. <laughs> no, we, we just, we decided that, yeah, it's gotta, we just, we were talking about this earlier that the, the ideal skinny bike, it's gotta have a gearbox so you don't have a derailleur to rip off. Right. And then you need it to be, I think longer, but then with a steeper head angle. So when you get those tight turns, you can navigate around. 
I would also like to see the brakes rub a lot without you Mm -hmm. pulling the levers to give you, you know, when you pedal against the brakes to give you that stability. Yeah, like a drum brake, like they have those drag brakes on uh, like tandems, so you can like Mm -hmm. have it running partway on. And then it obviously can't have disc brakes. No, because those will, yeah, maybe we need like hydraulic brakes, hydraulic rim brakes. Magura. Rim brakes back. Magura, where are you? HS 33s. Uh Yeah, just adjust them. Yeah, poorly adjusted and... uh, this might be the stupidest discussion we've ever had. Yeah. We've just created a horrible bike that's only good at riding skinnies. It would need to be um, low. Slim donut. But also like have a ton of standover clearance as well. Yeah, so you can hop off. off. Like, yeah. Everything, lots of padding. So like when the handlebars hit you in the head, there'd be like pads oh, right. on them. Or it, yeah. Well, it needs a road. Oh, yeah, oh, on the stem for it sure. It absolutely needs yeah, a road stem pad. For when you yeah. throw the bike and then the bike is on its side and then you land on the bike. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> All right, everybody, you let us know what the ultimate skinny bike should have as far as features and geometry goes. Maybe that's the next prototype we should build, Brian. I mean, the the donut went over well. The next one will do a skinny-specific bike. Maybe not. Yeah, we've got a meeting about that oh, on Friday. Not like, <laughs> it's definitely not going to be I haven't color. clicked accept yet on that Google meeting invite, so we'll see. What are the long skinny donuts? Are those crawlers? It could be the grim crawler. Crueler. 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 I'm American. It's crawler. Oh, okay. I think. I mean, you also just said orange. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm really bad for that too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I say it wrong and then I pretend it's on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I also do the same for eccentric and eccentric. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to comment gold. Um, This first one is from PB user or second time user. Do we know what happened the first time? Did we ban him? And that's why he's second time user. You got the band hammer, maybe. (laughs) So this one is from the article about Poll's CEO stepping down. It's pretty aggressive. Second time user says, did the recruitment agency send them a prototype CEO by mistake? (laughs) But I'm (laughs) bummed. Oh my God. Uh, Upvotes. Currently, as of when we posted this in this thing here, it's at 910 positive no i think it's a couple it really? grand now yeah current i can <laughs> yeah. get it it's a yeah since i want it's now at a 1558 upvotes holy crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, our most upvoted comment in the last decade did 1800 so that's on to oh, be yeah so, so it's up there it's up there it's got a little ways but it's up there it's savage and it's unfair but it's very right. very funny <laughs> so the next one is from owl x and this was on our women's bike podcast that we did last week um, this is the, uh, the cup, the corporate bullshit generator. And he goes, this is all in capital. So I'm going to read this loud and aggressive, like <laughs> just in case everybody wants to turn down their volume. I certainly have an appetite to mesh my concurrence index across an omni-channel sampling of your, uh, oh, damn it. Opiniosphere on this metric. <laughs> I almost had it. <laughs> you guys want me to try again? The second one's really the second one's really good too. You can do you can do better okay. on the second one. Uh, then D filler says, "Pipe down, you pink bike ad impression." And Alex he replies with that. When the ribbon of loam points downhill and it's time to tick the rowdy box, grab this rig and. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, it's good. pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent work, Alex. And. I hope that it's a novelty account that just stays with that and always replies. I hope. I think like he that. has. I, he's been pretty consistent. Yeah. I think his caps lock is stuck, okay. but yeah. I'm yeah. I'm good with yeah. that. Yeah, he, get, he gets a free pass. I like it. <laughs> Time to tick the rowdy box. 
when it's time to pull up the big boy pants. So the next one was on the Crank Brothers Dropper Post article. Uh, Tim Barnes says, XC-oriented and no mention of weight? And then KCY4130 replies says, this is for gravel bikes, and gravel bikes are like the road biker's downhill bike. He does have a point. Because when, when I've had a road bike in the past, it's had to be like the absolute lightest I could get it. And I have a gravel bike right now, and it might weigh 40 pounds. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for episode 29. We hope that you had a good time listening to us talk about free riding. We hope you're out there falling off of skinnies, riding free, and wheelie dropping into the night. Remember to rate us on the podcast platform that you're listening. We want to see some more ratings, especially those five-star ones. If you're actually, if you're going to rate us, don't bother unless it's only five stars, okay? If it's three stars or four stars, don't even bother. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week for episode 30. Bye.